0: So, I've been taking Hebrews chapter 11 and just walking down, looking at this cloud of witnesses whose lives testify to us as to what the life of faith is all about. So we've, we've been looking at that, looking at Abel, who in drawing near to God was offering to him an offering that was pleasing unto God. And it's not, the, it's not the offering, it's the heart of faith that seeks to be pleasing unto God. We talked about Enoch, who walked with God, who had a life that was just like Abel's sacrifice, but it was Enoch's life, walking with God, walking this walk of faith, where he was taken, but before he was taken, it was said, His life pleased God, and you can't have a life that pleases God unless, first of all, you believe God exists. You choose to draw near, to draw close to him, and you choose to live a life that maintains that relationship. Maintains that relationship. A life that pleases him. We talked about Noah, who had the same faith as Enoch. He was a man in his generation who, though his generation was wicked, in his relationship with people, he was blameless. He was a man who sought to please God and was not influenced by what was around him. And God gave him a warning regarding the judgment that was coming. But the warning was filled with hope that if he would obey and, and dedicate the rest of his life... To building an ark, it would be for the saving of his family. And so, by faith, every day, following the instructions of God, Noah built an ark. He was a preacher of righteousness in his day. He, he spoke to people about the coming judgment and about turning, repenting and, and turning their lives around to God, but they ignored him and mocked him. But regardless of that, even though he had no idea what a flood was, He built an ark according to God's word. And so we talked about the fact that these are witnesses to us. These testify to us about our walk of faith. But it's our lives we're presenting as a living sacrifice to God. And it's our lives, it's with our lives that we're drawing close to God and seeking to live a life that pleases him. But we're doing that by receiving the message that God has spoken through his son. Because his son was the one who received from heaven the testimony. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so in desiring to live a life that pleases God, a life that draws near to God, a life that is walking in step with him in relationship with him, We embrace this word from heaven. And we begin to live our lives following after and seeking after, following the pattern of his life. What he taught, holding those teachings inside, allowing them to work within us. Seeing his example and following that example because we love and adore him and we want to be sons, well pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Live every day of our lives building on that. Today I was supposed to speak about Abraham. Mm, not going to happen. I'm going to speak from a different verse and actually, again, do rev- a bit of review, but from just a bit of a different angle. So I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and starting at verse 11. Let me just pray first of all. Father, the more that I know, the more I come to understand about you, the less I seem to know. And I'm so painfully aware that the ability to communicate all that you're speaking to me and all that you're doing and all that you're revealing into words is an impossible task. And then to communicate that into people's hearts in a way that changes them. I cannot do this. So take the words that I offer this morning and turn them into something supernatural. Just take my willingness to share and teach from your word. And regardless of my inabilities, do something supernatural here this morning. And that's all I can ask. Amen. So, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That's God's rest. That is not couch potato inactivity. That is an absolute dependence, persuasion, that what God has spoken, what he has planned and purposed in Christ, will come to pass. I rest completely in that. No matter of the circumstances that I'm facing, the challenges that are ahead of me, where it is that obedience to him takes me, I rest completely completely on the fact that God is active in my life and his will is at work to perform his plan and purpose for me. And his way is best. And I completely rest on that. Completely rest on that. When I rest on the certainty of his word, I come to a place of rest. I'm involved in what God's doing, I'm being obedient to what God's doing, but it doesn't depend on me. It's God that's at work in me, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But strive to enter that place of rest. Full persuasion, full rest. So that no one may fall by the same disobedience. No one follow the example that Israel did, and we've talked about this before, so this is, this is review and I can't go into it. But their example of disobedience where they refused to be persuaded, and they refused to mix the gospel, the promise of entering the promised land, of the, driving out the enemies and taking it as their possession, that that was God's intended purpose, and he would fulfill it no matter what they had to walk through, what, I, th- what they had to face, what opposition was in front of them. But they failed to mix that with faith. He says, lest we fall by that same example of disobedience. And here's the scripture that I want to focus on. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account doesn't necessarily feel happy makes you squirm a little bit, but it's actually really good. So we're just going to take a couple of words here, look at them, and then I want to go backwards for a second. So it says, the Word of God is living. So, and when we're talking about the Word of God, we're talking about what God has spoken to us through Christ. The Word that He personifies by His life. He is the living Word. The Word of God is living. Now, we all know when a frog is dead. And when it's alive. You can attach strings to its feet and go like this, but if it's dead, it's dead. You can't fake it. When it's alive, it's able to be animated in and of itself. Move its own arms jump and hop to where it wants to go, eat, flies? Is that what it, okay. All right. The Word of God is living. It can act on its own. It can accomplish things on its own. Word of God is living and it's active. That word has to do with energy. The ability to create an Effect. This message that God has spoken is filled with divine energy. And it is able to produce an effect, a transforming effect in your life. It's able to act on its own and it is able to completely affect your life. It's able to accomplish far beyond what you can accomplish yourself. In fact, the accomplishment of this word does not depend on you. It just simply depends on you receiving and holding fast this word within your heart. It will act on its own. It will powerfully affect your life. And it is sharp. It has the ability to pierce down past all the subterfuge, all of the self-deceptions, the delusions regarding life. Pierce right down to the inner core. All you have to do is hold on to this word. Cherish it, love it, treasure it. Pay attention to it. Consider it deeply. Open your heart to it. Permit persuasion to happen inside of you. And this word will go after the deep things inside of you. This word. This word. Which God spoke through his Son, who is the personification of that word, who is the living word you focus on Him, you keep your eyes on Him, and you allow the implications of His life to speak to you deeply, and you'll be transformed by it. You will be transformed by it. Okay? So, let's just go back now for a second. Word of God is powerful. It's not about you striving It's about you coming to a place where you have full conviction and full persuasion that this word is true. You receive it and hold it, and it will change your life. We are not talking about self-effort. We are talking about the power of God's salvation in you. You know I'm not even going to get started. But let's just see how we do. Holy Spirit, Coles Notes. The scripture that we're studying is from Hebrews. Learn to love the book of Hebrews. Hold it as one of your favorites, along with Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. Hold them as your favorites. Take them, think over them deeply. But let's just do it this way. God spoke to us. It begins with God speaking to us. There's a message that God's communicated through his Son. And time is spent for you to understand that in the realm of the kingdom of the heavens and in the realm of creation, this Son holds the highest place. He is the creator, the one through whom God created the world and by whose word all of creation is held together. He is the one who came down and humbled himself to become a man was obedient to death, the death of the cross in order to redeem us. But he is the one that is now highly exalted at the throne of majesty on high. He is the one, as a man, who has ascended to the throne of David. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is far above all principalities and powers. He is far above angels. This is the one who, when he was born, as God's firstborn little tiny human baby, God said, angels, go and worship him. Happy birthday to you. Glory to God in the highest. Angels worship him. Angels serve him because he has a name and title and a position and a relationship to God that is above all others. God has spoken to us through his Son. Now, what we're told next is if the law of Moses, given traditionally by angels, had serious consequences, then there are serious consequences. There are inescapable consequences to not paying attention to what God has spoken through his Son. Those consequences may come immediately, or they may come eventually. But there are serious consequences that take place by neglecting this word. And here's what we, what we need to understand, is that have you ever had something important just slip from your mind? Like I was supposed to take my keys before I went out of the house this morning, but it just, it slipped my mind. So now I'm outside of the house and the door's locked. Something important slipped your mind. You had that happen? Have you ever been listening to somebody give directions and you thought you already knew how to get there, so you missed an important detail just because you weren't paying attention? Ever had that happen? Now, The consequences to that are minor and temporary compared to not paying attention to this word that God has spoken. And here's here's the tragedy. People who miss this salvation and experience the consequences of not allowing this salvation to take place in them, that happens less by opposition than it does by simply neglect. In other words, you heard the message, you didn't really pay attention to it, which meant you really had no intention of carrying it out. No intention of pursuing it. How much is that true about our lives? A lot, lot of it's true regarding mine. So he's saying here, okay, this is so vital, you need to pay attention to it. Because the consequences are inescapable unless we lay hold of this salvation. Now the word that's being used here, all of a sudden in Hebrews, is the word Salvation. And we know that salvation has to do with healing and wholeness. It has to do with deliverance and freedom. It has to do with restoration. It has to do with preservation. It's salvation. So salvation, how shall we escape if we neglect this salvation? Well, God, am I ever dependent on you. All right, I'm I'm just going to have to trust him. There's, There's dots that I would like. I would follow through, and I'm just going to have to trust and run with this thing. So he says, how shall we escape if we neglect this salvation? He's introduced the word salvation. He hasn't explained it. But he said, this salvation was first announced by Jesus. It was first announced by Jesus. This salvation that we're talking about, this salvation that God has spoken through his Son, it was first announced by Jesus, Well, what was it that Jesus announced? And it says not only was it announced by Jesus, but it was confirmed by signs and wonders and miracles that he did. What was the message that Jesus announced that was confirmed by signs and wonders and miracles? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. It's right here. And he announced that. He says, repent. Because if you're going to accept the fact that the kingdom of the heavens is here, everything's got to change. All of your points of reference have to change. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. There has to be a complete reorientation of your life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. That was his message. And he confirmed that by exercising the power of the kingdom over sickness and disease, exercising the power of the kingdom over the demonic realm, exercising the power of the kingdom to meet the needs of the hungry, exercising the power of the kingdom over even the forces of nature, exercising the power of the kingdom over death itself. And he sent his Twelve disciples out to announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then to exercise God's will effectively over sickness and disease and the demonic. And then he sent out seventy to go to all the towns and villages and announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and to exercise God's divine will over sickness and disease, over leprosy, over the demonic. And each, one of the t- each time they came back celebrating, this announcement of the kingdom was followed by healings and deliverance everywhere we went. So this salvation that we're talking about, which was announced through the one who is... "...the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who God has spoken through him, the one who angels worship and adore, the one who sits upon the throne of glory... This message that God has spoken, this message of salvation is not a simple message of pray a prayer, live life the way you want to, and end up in heaven, a place that you don't really like because you don't like God and you don't like living under His will. But this is a message, this message of salvation. It is a message of grace. It is a message that empowers you to break free from the corruption of this world, and to become sons of the living God. It is a message of salvation because it speaks of your deliverance and your full restoration to your, your destiny and your eternal calling. But it is a message of the kingdom. It is a message of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the main brunt of Jesus' teaching was the message of the kingdom of heaven. God is active. God is present. God's will is effectively working its way out so that you can now enter into that kingdom. You can know that rule and reign within you. And as a community, you can know the rule and reign of the kingdom of God among you. And you can know its blessings and you can know its power and you can know its benefit and you can walk in its authority and you can walk in its power and you can bring its benefit to others. You can go announcing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and in fact this message of the kingdom must reach the ends of the earth and then he will come. This message that we're talking about is a message of the kingdom. Have you ever been in a conversation and somehow as you're talking, your mind kind of gets distracted and you turn to the person that you were talking to who's supposed to be the listener, but now you need them to kind of. What was it I was talking about again? Remember that? I'm supposed to be the one talking. I'm supposed to be the one knowing what I'm talking about, where I'm going in this conversation. What was this I was talking about? Talking about again? Well, if you get into chapter two of Hebrews, he says this. He says, now in verse five, he says, now it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are talking about, of which we are speaking. What, what is it we were talking about again? We were talking about what God spoke through His Son. We were talking about a message of salvation, which is really the announcement of the kingdom. But actually what we're talking about is subjection, dominion in the age to come. And actually what we're talking about is who is man anyways? Why was man created? Why has God placed such attention on him? Why is it that God has come to visit him and walk among him and be one of us? This message of salvation, this message of the kingdom is couched in terms of dominion which you and I were created to walk in. And now... If you take that, it begins to make sense why man who was powerless and man who was a sinner, man who could not save himself and reclaim the calling and the destiny, the crown of glory and honor that he forfeited, why it was that God became man himself, took on human nature, and to came to live in a physical body in order to reclaim for mankind our destiny. He came to bear our sin and to die upon the cross to take away our sin, to deal with the issue of sin so that it is dealt with once and for all. He came To reveal to us who God is and what God's plan and purpose was for us. He came to make the pathway, pioneer, blaze the trail, whatever you want to call it. He came to make the pathway clear and to walk it as the first one walking down that pathway. Even though he was God, even though he was sinless, Because he had taken on human nature, that human nature had to be perfected through trial, through suffering, through opposition, through obedience unto death. His human nature had to be perfected so that in character it was blameless, fully tested. So though he was God, he walked that trail so that you would understand what is the process to move from here where salvation begins to take place to here where destiny is fulfilled. He did that so that you would understand it. He became completely one with us. He set himself apart. He set himself apart. This body, this life, is to fulfill this purpose. And he set himself apart to become man and to walk with us and to become one with us so that we could become one with him and share with him in his kingdom. Now, we're going to be talking about this a lot more, walking it out. But the scripture says this as we go we've gone through, we've already talked through it, but I'm just reviewing it. Painstakingly reviewing. I do I know that. Painstakingly reviewing. Repeating. But that message you need to pay attention to. You need to consider more deeply, the implications of how Jesus came, how he lived his life, why he came, the example that he set, the priorities of his life, how he lived his life fully relying on his Father, fully relying on his Word. You need to consider that. There's so much in there. You need to consider deeply his teachings regarding the kingdom of God What are the implications of that kingdom? What are the responsibilities? There's so much. And we're going to actually go through some of this stuff. We're going to talk about it and think about it. We need to understand. Think about it. Consider it. You need to open your heart. How many were saved 40 years ago or more? How many of you were saved 20 years ago or more? Good. All right. How many of you have been saved less than a year? Yay. Now, put all that aside. Today. Today. Today, you need to hear that message. Today, salvation needs to take place. Today, that word has an implication and impact in your life. Today, when you have that relational conflict, today, when you are facing that situation that creates anxiety, today, when you are facing that opposition, today, when that fear comes at you, today, when that temptation is laying hold of your mind or your heart, today, you need to hear. Today is when you need to hear it. And today... You need to make sure that the circumstances that you're in are not causing your heart to say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about the process you're going to take me through. I don't want to know about the character that you're forming in me. I don't want to know about this this process of perfecting who I am. I don't want to know about eternal glory. I'm mad about today. I want what I want today. I deserve today. Hardening your heart because of the circumstances you're going through. Isn't that what Israel did? So it's today you need to hear his voice. And today you need to be fully persuaded until you come to a place where I am fully convinced that this is what my life is about and this is how he's working in my life. And God is active and God is at work and this situation is no different than any other situation. He's my father. He's he's shaping me for glory. And so God, what is it you're doing in this situation and how is it that you want to walk? Because there's only one thing I'm seeking is I want to walk close to you. I want to walk in step with you and I want to please you. That's okay because you are leading me to glory. Now, if you hold fast this word, you, I, I don't know how to change. I don't know how to change. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't know how to break that. I don't know how to change that attitude. I don't. Know how, you don't have to. You need to come before God and say, God, I believe this word. You're at work in this situation, and Jesus Christ walked through it first. He faced insult, he faced rejection, he faced abandonment, he faced abusiveness, he faced hatred, he faced opposition, he faced misunderstanding, he faced fault. You walked through it first. You were fully entitled and you had to let go of all entitlement. You deserved to be served, but instead you made a decision to serve You were hated, but you made a decision to love. You were offended, but you made a decision to forgive. You walk this way first. And in this situation, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to change. But I am holding this word and saying, God, somehow in this situation, you want to change my life. Somehow in this situation, you are calling me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's something with his his example and within his teaching that applies to this situation. And if I'll embrace it and just hold it, it has a life of its own. It has a life of its own. You just simply take the message I was created for greatness. I was created for glory. He's at work in me. He's changing me. He is bringing all things within me under subjection to his will because I have a purpose and I have a destiny and I have been called to rule and reign with Christ. You hold that fast in your heart and say, God, now do the work in me. I want you to know this word has a life of its own. This word has a power and effect of its own this word will go down and it will expose. It will go down and it will challenge. It has the ability to cut through all of the pretenses, all of the subterfuge, all of the self-deception, all of the self-justification, all of the excuses. It has the ability to cut right through it and ask some really Pointed questions. Like, how does your attitude and behavior in this situation have any connection with my calling on your life? How does the choices that you're making hinge at all on your eternal destiny? Questions like, What is it that's really energizing your life? What is it that's really giving you vision? What is it that's really stirring you? Is it the things of this world? Or is it my heavenly calling? What's really at the heart behind the way that you're living? Just questions. You're not condemned by any of them. This word will go down and expose what you really believe, what convictions really are driving your life, what your motivations really are, but you're not condemned. Just hold fast to the word and be a lover of the truth. God, you're right. You're right. I'm more concerned about people's opinions than pleasing you. I'm more concerned about my comfort then you're calling. It just it it'll just go down. Just be a lover. It has a life of its own. It has a power of its own. It will work, it will work in you. If you just simply won't harden your heart and say, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna live life the way that I want to. It will ask other questions. Like, are you really convinced regarding this message? Are you really convinced? Do you actually see life through the eyes of the Spirit? Do you actually see the realm that's eternal? Have you really set your affections on that? Are you absolutely convinced that that is what God has destined you for? Are you absolutely convinced or are you living kind of divided and then one other question i believe it asks is is this you keep hearing the message regarding christ you are often exposed to his teaching you're often exposed to his example do you really have any intention of fully pursuing this do, do you really have any intention? Like, do you want to nod your head and say, I believe in your kingdom, I believe in your calling, I believe that that's true. Do you want to be able to say, I can repeat doctrinally that this is what I believe? Or do you actually have an intention? Like, for example, do you actually have the intention of finding out who your neighbor is and loving them? Do you actually have the intention of acknowledging that person is my enemy, opposed to me, and now I'm going to bless them? I should probably stop there. Do you actually have an intention of hearing him speaking to you in the situations that you are facing and going through the relationships that are straight in front of your nose, and are you actually intending to enter the kingdom, walk in the kingdom, allow God to be active and His will to rule over the way that you live? Do you really intend to? Yes, Jesus loves me, and He does so much. I want you to know how much the Father loves you. That he sees how far we have fallen from who we were actually created to be. And he is absolutely committed to fully restore us. To set us free. Fully restore us. Now I want you to stand. I can't help it that God moved in the service and I needed to finish something here. Thank you, sister, for being the one who gave me permission to speak as long as I needed to. Now, I'd just like you to present yourselves before God. Father, in this place, if there are any burdens that are still weighing on people, just these even unconscious Weights, worries, concerns. In the name of Jesus Christ, I now command them to loose their hold and lift off of your people. Let there be an absolute loosing of these weights. I am believing that the gift of faith that you have imparted is going to cause people to step out from living under that. Powerfully laying hold of a new way of living, a new way of seeing, a new way of dealing. But right now, loosed in the name of Jesus. And I believe you for it. Amen.